I'm Christopher Chance, the human target. Oh, I'm not. This is Paul. <laughs> this is Wayne. Uh, this is Andrew. Uh, nice to meet you, Christopher. We're very excited to have you on the show today. It's good to be. Yeah, it, it so should I feel be. Like I'm this is not. Where you need to fake your death, though. So. Yeah, no, it should have <laughs> been. I'm not Aaron. I'm Christopher Chance, the human target. See, I, uh, I uh, was impersonating Aaron because someone was trying to kill Aaron. You see, and I, uh, uh, I've yeah, done mate, my. Go ahead. I was gonna say, it seemed obvious to me what you're doing, but. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm just and, very curious about who's trying to assassinate my good friend Aaron. Well, and we screwed it all up. Well, yeah. I'm yeah. very curious about who isn't trying to assassinate my good friend. <laughs> it's probably wow. easy to eliminate. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so, I mean, I guess we, I mean, we're we're throwing it all off. But Tales of the Human Target came out this week. It was awesome. I loved that. Book. It was. I enjoyed it. Yeah. I, I like that. You know, I, the series took a little bit of a break, I guess, for the artist or maybe the writer, who knows, to get on on uh back on schedule and so they they had this nice little in-between story which it took me a minute to figure out what the hell was going on because it's three stories but they are told literally like in they are interspersed a page at a time which was an interesting way of telling it but once i got it I, i i really enjoyed it well and what was great is that you know it you know tales of the human target involves the suspects from you know, the the human target book we've been reading. And I love the the use of Kevin McGuire, Michael Janis, uh, Michael Janin and Raphael Albuquerque in this book uh, and Greg Smallwood, because it it really gave each story its own tone. And I mean, and not just an artwork, but, you know, Tom King has a different take on the storytelling of each one of those. And it was just wild. I mean, like the story, I, I've never been a huge fire uh, fan, you know, Beatrice, but I loved yeah. her story. Her story oh, yeah. was that just... story was so fun. Like, I loved the way it wrapped up where he's like, she's like, I stayed by his side because he had no one. And I waited by his coffin. And he's literally just like, can, can you just leave? <laughs> Get out. Go. <laughs> so Go I can stop my death. <laughs> like, just stop. Stop being so supportive. You're ruining this for me. Yeah. Yeah. I loved it. I, I thought this book was terrific. It was a lot of fun. It, it does lead to my fear, though, that as much as they've made me love Ice, and I already like the character, but I really think she might be the bad guy of the series, and I don't want that. I, I think that's likely true. <laughs> I, yeah. She start, you know, the, the finger is certainly pointing really hard that Ice is a, a bad guy. Yeah. So. Yeah, I, I, just, I dug this. I dug the hell out of it. I, I, and it was a, you know, usually you get a break book like this and it has nothing to do with the story that's being told. And it, and it has none of the pitch or tone of the story that's being told. And that was not the case here. This fits in nicely. When you collect the human target and they throw tales of the human target in, it's going to fit right in. Yeah, it is a prequel to the series. Mm hmm. At least a prequel to, uh, you know, maybe after the first issue, but between before the second issue. Mm-hmm. You know, I wonder if for me, what this book had me think of is maybe Christopher Chance, hear me out here, Uh-oh. is pretending to be Christopher Chance to lure out the person Christopher who wants to kill him. <laughs> 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 to lure out the person who wants to kill him. I mean, because that was the whole point of this book, right? Like right. that people are basically ruined. You know, what he does is he pretends to be someone else in order to to lure out the killer, and so the other person can go into hiding. And I'm like, I'm wondering if the the intent of this book is that he is pretending to be the dying Christopher Chance 
in order for him to actually retire, you know, and and go away. Maybe. We'll find out in the next few issues. I do like that idea, but Dr. Midnight looked him over, and I don't think he could fool Dr. Midnight. I don't know. It's awfully good. It's his job. Yeah, it's great. It's the art. It's always always so beautiful on it. Yeah. Yeah. It's good stuff. But, you know, um, Paul, one of the things I was super excited about, and we can talk more about this on our uh, uh, Star Trek podcast, but, you know, Matt Shagman was uh, attached to direct the fourth um, Star Trek movie, you know, with Christopher Pine. And he is off. He is out of there. He flipped the the bird and walked away. Because, you know, to. uh, Paramount's been screwing them over, you know, waiting for a script and, you know, not getting their ducks in a row. And uh, so he he walked off. He said, you know, you, you can take your Star Trek and ram it where the sun doesn't shine. You know, is what he said. I think that was a direct quote. Yeah. yeah. We, we just played the audio clip right there. <laughs> <laughs> I don't but I don't think that's the at all what he sounds like. I don't know. It, it purposely fit. It, it exactly fits the writing style of those movies. So it works for me. Well, the reason why we're talking about it on our comic book podcast is because he is um, now attached to direct uh, the upcoming Fantastic Four movie, which originally had John Watts of the Spider-Man trilogy, the most recent Spider-Man trilogy attached to direct. Um, and he stepped away to do Star Wars skeleton crew, I think, with um, with Jude Law. And so they had this opening, and so it looks like they have taken Matt Shackman, and for those who don't know who Matt Shackman is, he is the director of the WandaVision television series. So I, 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 think, I, it's, go ahead. I think it's smart that he took this job, because yeah, I God knows when Paramount was going to be ready to go with the new Star Trek movie, because they've been trying to put that together for forever. Um, and we know that the MCU will actually make... Uh, Fantastic Four happens. Yeah, so. Exactly. Fantastic I, I Four. We will see Fantastic Four before we see Star Trek Four, even though Star Trek Four, Star Trek Three was ten years ago. Right. Um, no, completely agree. So you're I, uh, saying the WandaVision director is the same director that directed the like the last Star Trek movies? No, no, no. no. no he was attached to, to do the new Star Trek. Ah, yeah. got it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, I mean, I guess it depends what type of story they're trying to tell. Uh, but but yeah, I think it's a good move for them to to get Shackman to to direct it. I mean, I enjoyed the last three Spider-Man movies, but uh, and what, did they give a reason why John Watts was being moved off that project? No, other than the fact that he's attached to this uh, Star Wars skeleton crew thing, and maybe oh right, that was either more financially lucrative or you know they decided that that was in a better place to start than Fantastic Four was when he was available or something. Well, and clearly, clearly Shackman's got a knack for telling stories about family. And that's that's right in the center mm-hmm. spot for Fantastic Four. I mean, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. It's a good point. Yeah, good I think point. it's the right move for Shackman. I am on the yeah. I am unsure about how I feel if it's the right move in director, because there's so much for us as actual fans of the Fantastic Four and the fact that they've been you know, really working this Fantastic Four thread multiple times and it's gone wrong every time. I just I'm I, I just hope that he has the level of skill required to actually create a good Fantastic Four. I liked WandaVision. Don't get me wrong. I loved WandaVision. But, you know, Shackman's a television director and this is, you know, big, big budget movie with a lot riding on it, at least for me as a Fantastic Four fan. So I'm I'm, I'm hopeful but cautious. 
Well, and mm. let's face it, though, Marvel does not give their directors a lot of room. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. But it's yeah, they they're going to make this like they want it to be, regardless of who the director is. Yeah, yeah fair point. Fair point. So I we'll don't see, know. We'll see. Yeah. Well, fingers crossed, because I would like it to be a good movie. I'm really interested to see who they cast for the you know, main leads. If Krasinski really does play Mr. Fantastic in the main film, who they cast for, uh, you know, Invisible Woman, you know, Johnny and uh, the thing. Word on the street is that it's uh, John Krasinski's wife. Is that Emily Blunt? Oh, that'd yes. be good. Yeah, that'd be yeah. that'd be great. That's the, that's the rumor that's going around. Okay. So. Okay. I'm, I'm sure we'll get an announcement. Let's see. So. In a few weeks, I think it's sep- the second weekend of September, is D23 Expo, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, I, I went to a few years back pre-COVID. And so they, they'll they'll have, I think they have a big Marvel panel, and I think they have Star Wars panels. So, we'll, you know, obviously they had panels at San Diego Comic-Con, but I expect more announcements to come out of D23. That's where they've previously announced, like, the Obi-Wan TV series and stuff like right. that. So second week of so, September, I think we'll, we we will probably get some type of Fantastic Four reveal. That's that's so my do we do we want to take bets on which comes first, Fantastic Four or Flash? <laughs> yeah. I, Fantastic Four. Ooh. Yeah, it's not looking good. For I don't know. Yeah, pulling his money or seeing parted in, in this situation. Did you see that? Yeah. Did you see that Ezra Miller was in the Warner's offices uh, this past week, apologizing and committing to being a better person? Yes, I did. So hopefully that uh, that meeting. I mean, hopefully Ezra is sincere about their. Go, I hope he can go a month. Here. I hope he can go a month or two. I hope they can go a month or two without just getting arrested. Yeah, I mean, as long as they don't get arrested or kidnap any children or you know beat up any people, I Eat feel himself. like. <laughs> yeah, I feel like there's hope here, and it, it, it certainly seems like the new regime at Warner's. Which we didn't even talk about, but you know the new regime at Warner's is definitely hoping that Flash is still going to come out, and but they have delayed everything else. Um, Shazam, which was supposed to come out this year, has now been delayed until March, and Aquaman, which was which was supposed to come out in March, is now coming out in December. Yeah, the only thing they haven't delayed is uh, Black Adam. Yeah. Yeah, but the reason why they're pushing those movies back is because Discovery spent so much damn money acquiring the business, they can't now afford to release those movies. Right. Which is to conserve, crazy to me. Yes, it is. Yeah. The, to conserve money for marketing, like, let's spread it out a little bit more. That's just nuts. Yeah. 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 I mean, it it is it is you you don't have enough money to continue making money. That's that's what this is, all is, and it's yeah. nuts. It's nuts. And my 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 dread fear is that uh, the company's gotten so big they'll have to bust apart in order to you know get enough capital to continue running. And that you know Paul and I were chatting online this week, and you know Paul's like, I'm afraid they might sell DC, and I don't know how you could do that because the thing that makes DC valuable these days is not their comic books, it's their you know the the fact that it's their, an idea factory. Yeah. Right. It's all the it's all the film properties. So and you, no one's going to buy it absent the film rights. Yeah, yeah. They, 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 they need, need to Batman. sell something. If they want to make money, they need Batman. Yeah, they yeah. need to sell something, though, because they need capital. Yep. There's a lot riding on, I think, this Black Adam movie. Um, and you know, I don't know if you guys saw the the rumors is that, you know, in previous screenings of Black Adam, they had already described the the end credit sequence, which I won't. I mean, I guess I'm about to spoil it. Um <laughs> 
but the the spoiler is that it, it has a, an appearance by Superman, but you know you don't see his face. You only see him from behind. Isn't that um, kind of what they did in Shazam? Exactly what they did yeah, in Shazam. Yeah. Um, but the rumor is that a few weeks ago Cavill actually did the reshoots to make the appearance in the movie. Like within the last three weeks. I don't nice. believe the rumors. I keep seeing those rumors. I keep seeing more and more rumors, and I do not believe any of them <laughs> because they've all been false. Yeah. Well, I guess and, we'll find out next month when Black. When does Black Adam? I think it comes out in October. I should say. It's it's. Wayne, I'm, I'm shocked this movie is actually coming out because everything else has been delayed. Wayne's been hurt too many times. He won't. Oh no, because I don't care if he comes back or not. I think he's yeah. great, but I don't like the Snyderverse. Uh-huh. So uh-huh. yeah, October twenty yeah, first, Paul. October twenty first. That's what that's what a broken heart sounds like. When <laughs> not at all. <laughs> I I want him to be replaced. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah. yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah. You know, learn to love they, again. They, you know what they need in in the in the DC cinematic universe? They need someone to come in and reboot that shit. Because don't get me wrong, I am a Snyderverse fan, but like I feel like the ship has sailed. Let's let's start anew. Let's get rid of, you know, there, there's too much baggage with the old. Let's bring in the new. Um, so, the reason I bring that up is... Okay. Now, I was going to say, sometimes you got to tear down that old tenement before you can build a new tenement. Uh, you know, exactly. it's just... Uh, you know, don't, Gentrification! Don't, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> if the foundation is bad, you can't keep the bones. Just start from scratch. Um, you know, one of the reasons I bring that up is the DC comic universe, which announced on august 18th but somehow i missed it until this week um that post flashpoint beyond and post dark crisis jeff johns is coming in to do a 48 page one shot called the new golden age that will explore um what the impacts to time and the multiverse have had on the current dc universe um and you know definitely delving into the return of the jsa yeah, I and am so funny, excited about getting him on the JSA again. Not only that, Michael Jannon is the artist on the JSA book, I think is what I read. I mean, and, and the new yeah. Golden Age has art by Steve Lieber and Jerry Ordway. Like, I'm 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 on board with all of this. Well, Jeff Johns is the right guy to bring. Yeah, oh, yeah. yes. I, I got to be honest, though, I'm, I'm surprised because he was setting up all this stuff with Image Comics, right? The um. Mm-hmm. That universe with all those characters. Yeah, that we haven't and, seen, uh, you know, Geiger and all of that. Because that, that yeah. was supposed to launch this year, right? All those yeah, different with that, um, that Yeah, with that uh, that guy, the the George Washington, I don't remember, the Patriot or something like that. You yeah. know, character that was um, from that time period. Yeah. I am, and I am sure he's still going to do that. That's going to be a big thing. But he kind of needs to get paid so he can do his passion project. There's that, right? You do your you do your passion project and then you do your blockbuster movie, just like Ben Affleck said in Jay and Silent Bob Strike. One Back. for me, one for them. <laughs> I, I gotta say, the this kind of creates a lot of of kind of anxiety in me because I don't know how I'm gonna read these books in a timely fashion. Since oh, DC no. doesn't have their own ad. <laughs> oh no! Stop! I don't want to go back. I don't want to go back to Comicsology. I've been Comicsology free and clean for months now, and uh, I don't want to go back. I don't want to relapse. Well, I will tell you, and I don't know, I can't really say much, but for all of us who have been part of the Amazon slash Comixology feedback experiment, experiment thing. Yeah. You know, because they, they ask for, you know, they, they ask for people to participate in their surveys and stuff. Right. I've been very honest. Same. Hopefully someone's listening. Good. Hopefully other people share my opinion. 
Good. Well, if it gets better, let me know. I'll, I might try it again then, but I just can't. I can't do it. It's become a line in the sand for me, but I don't know. Well, at least you can still read your Marvel comics like Fantastic Four, even though you're yeah. not reading Fantastic Four. I, I, didn't, I didn't read that one, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> well, Wayne but, and uh, I did. Everyone else did. But Aaron and Wayne. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Hit it, Wayne. I, said, I went into this one thinking it was the beginning of the new story arc and not realizing it was a uh, basically a wrap-up for Dan Slott's run. And, Aaron, I love the book. Yeah, it was a great book. I thought it was a really nice bookend to uh, his storytelling over the last 46 issues. Um, I, I loved that we got to meet Reed Richards' uh, l- lately discovered sister. Um, I loved the scenes between Reed Richards and his other siblings with, with them all you know, chatting about what a bastard uh, Nathaniel Richards is. Um, uh, one of my favorite things ever in this series is the relationship between Thing and Alicia um, and, you know, how it has really matured. They're married. They've got, you know, two kids now. Um, you know, they, they adopted the uh, the Cree and Skrull uh, uh, kiddos. And I just I, I love this book. I you know Dan Slott did a really remarkable job, kind of recentering the Fantastic Four after you know all. Yeah, I think the last time Fantastic Four was any good was the Jonathan Hickman run, and the stuff in between just really wasn't measuring up. I re, I, I feel very strongly that Dan Slott understands the Fantastic Four, understands its core its core you know central concepts. And just put them front and center. Yeah, and I am, he's. I'm glad he's leaving though, because I think that he is the type of writer that uh, has a habit of staying on a book too long. Agreed. And I think that this is a great time for him to leave. He's leaving on a strong point. He took the time to reset a few things for the next writer. You know, he he wrapped up the Sky and Johnny storylines. He fixed Johnny's powers and basically just got them to a status quo that. A new writer doesn't have to do cleanup for him. Agreed. Yeah, no, he he wrapped up a lot of stuff, but, you know, kind of set the table for new storytelling. Uh, I love I think one of, one of my favorite things in this book is uh, they wind up going into the microverse for a couple of pages and have this whole battle with Psycho Man that we don't see. You know, you just kind of get to see the outcomes and the resolution of it. And I just I thought that was so much fun because you're seeing it from his sister's point of view, who gets knocked out in the process of being, you know, shunted into the microver. Yeah, I, I, that was I a lot of that, fun. And I love that it's Sue that beats him, you know, and Reed is uh, affected by having the emotions cranked way up and it's uh-huh. still barely enough. Right, right. It's a, it really a, a very entertaining story, and I like where, where we are, and I'm, I'm really hoping that the uh, uh, next page in the uh, Fantastic Four under a new creative team is as good as the Dan Slott run. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. going, it is big shoes to follow. Yeah. Who's taking over? Wayne, do you know? I don't. I don't okay. either. Some, uh, the writer's name is Ryan North. I am unfamiliar with who yeah, he same. is. That's not but, reassuring. Um, yeah, I'm yeah, unfamiliar will, enough that I don't remember the name uh, all right he apparently has um written for comic series adventure time and uh the unbreakable unbeatable squirrel girl yeah so, i mean he's that. and that honestly looking at his uh he's won a ton of awards for his work on unbeatable squirrel girl so two I guess, books uh, i would not read new to me yeah now new the me, next but, issue you know, 
number 47 is a uh, axe axe judgment day tie-in which i know wayne is particularly excited about Uh, (laughs) yeah i got so annoyed when i saw the ad because yeah this is a book i love and it did not need to tie into a crossover i have no intention of reading anything on but here's the beauty of it we're between creative teams right now we're between story arcs if you're going to have a tie-in this is really the perfect time to do it right because it's not interrupting anything in flight and i gotta tell you i'm loving the judgment day crossover right now uh i've only been reading the kieran gillen books but i'll pick this up because it's you know it's a fantastic four book and it's taking part taking place within a a uh event that i'm currently reading i will say apparently it was i read an article this week that the axe judgment day crossover is coming into amazing spider-man with issue 10 uh. and um <laughs> you know, yeah God. Well, and, I, and I, I don't know exactly it, it seems like so the way it's described in at least in the preview art it says how will gwen stacy judge peter parker so I, I guess it's dead characters coming back to judge the living kind of thing that's not what's happened in other books, but maybe that's what's happening in Amazing Spider-Man. What's happened in the most recent Judgment Day books is the heroes had the great idea that what they needed to do is build their own god for the Eternals because you know the Celestials are their god. And so they've taken the dead Celestial that the Avengers currently headquarter in, which is just weird, um, and – reshape that dead god into a new living god built on sort of their ideals so that it can reset what's going on with uh, druig uh, of the eternals who's the bad guy in this trying to wipe out the x-men well as you might expect things go off the rails immediately and this uh, newborn celestial is rendering judgment on the entire earth and you know, essentially says, look, I'm rendering judgment on all you guys. If you guys come out 51% good, everybody gets to live. If you come out 51% bad, everybody dies. <laughs> so, so the world was immediately destroyed is what I'm hearing. Yeah, well, you know, they're giving him 24 hours for him to, uh, you know, assess and so Captain America is like, OK, well, you know, I, we're going to go we're going to go see what we can do to you know, drum up a bunch of goodwill so that we're 51 percent. Tony Stark, you figure out how to kill this god. Yeah. All quickly get all the politicians into the negative zone. Uh, That's real quick. Really good fix. That is a great fix. <laughs> <laughs> Just tell them it's for their own protection. Yeah. Uh, the yeah. all the CEOs, all the politicians, uh, all the reality uh, TV stars. Into the negative zone. Anyone on TikTok? <laughs> Who came up with the idea of putting the the new rebuilding this god? Who, who's whose lame-brained idea was that? Gotta be Tony of, Stark. Ajak of the Eternals and Tony Stark agreed. Oh and Mister Sinister. I mean, I'm like, uh huh. Yeah, this is gonna go off the rails fast. Were they all high at the time? I mean, this seems like a horrible idea. It was a horrible idea, isn't it? It sounds like something that would happen in Knights of Rainsboro. <laughs> That's does. how bad of an idea this is. <laughs> Yeah, I knew Tony Stark had to be involved. I mean, it's not even the first time he's tried to create a god. Right. So uh, Speaking of gods, you know, this week Aaron and I read uh, Defenders Beyond number two, uh, which features our good friend, not just one, but multiple Beyonders in the Beyond, or Beyond the Beyond, right? Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, what did you think about this uh, second installment in the series, Aaron? I love this book. I love this series. I love the series before it. I love this one. I love how just off the rails bonkers 
this story is and the artwork by Javier Rodriguez is is right in place it's right in tone of all of that uh, you it's know like I'm, a lot I'm, of it's a lot of like Jack Kirby inspired when he would be uh-huh. writing about like the new gods it's that kind of yeah. amorphic odd technology in the background kind of well kind of it's look. it's very much Jack Kirby meets Steve Dip- yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, just yeah. and just sort of the crazy energy and a lot of stuff. But I mean, all the the backgrounds are just so developed with like you know pipes, pipes, you know, so many pipes running everywhere. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just great. Uh, and you know, it's it's so cosmic and just crazy. You know, it's it you're spending the entire time talking to the Beyonder and his Beyonder family. Yeah, and you know, they're all just sort of astounded not the beyonder that we know but the other beyonders are just sort of astounded that you know humans are trying to fight them right uh, you know they're like well these guys are just stupid humans and then you know they get punched in the face well, I, love, <laughs> I love that panel of chavez punching the original beyonder in the face across those uh-huh. you know multiple planes of color going yeah, yeah it's just it's such a cool uh panel in this book yeah yeah i, I mean like I don't have a lot of experience with the character America Chavez, but mm-hmm. uh, she's great. Oh, she, I, she's great in yeah. West Coast Avengers. She was great in her miniseries. Uh, our, our, oh, you uh, read the miniseries, Andrew? I I'm love in, the miniseries. I'm in progress with it. I, I can't say actually I'm done with it, but I have started reading it. Um, I, I loved that miniseries. I thought it was really good. Yes. It, I, I just like her character everywhere, and I'm glad they didn't mess her up in too much in, in Multitudes of Madness. So, yeah. um, it, but, you know, it, the whole idea that the Beyonder, the reason the Secret War has occurred is because when he was an infant, uh, he was essentially exposed to the the um, uh, uh, negative influence of our society. Right. TV. Yeah, it, it was the American reality. It basically warped his infant mind, and that's what caused him to, as he put it, I took my action figures and I smashed them together. I'm like, oh, my God, that is what he did. <laughs> that is, like, yeah. exactly what he did. Yeah. Um, so, no, I like it. It is not like a traditional action book. It is not uh, It's not going to appeal to everybody. But mm-hmm. if you like those kind of crazy, cosmic, uh, bonko stories, uh, it, it's fantastic. And I, I feel like now I have to go back and read the, the last Defenders series because I still feel like I'm missing out. On this series, not having read it, especially since the sign 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 year Tia Taya. Uh, Taya. Uh, ever since yeah. she joined, too, I feel like I'm kind of missing out on some backstory and subtext yeah. there. I, I really like Taya. She she is kin to Galactus. In fact, I think she is the mother of Galactus. Yeah, I was, I was gonna say yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I loved I, one of the things I, I got a real kick out of is you know how the Beyonder helps them by sort of doing a Brer Rabbit sort of thing. Oh yeah, and you know? and the look, the look, his uh-huh. sibling and the guy in the uh-huh. green unitards look like he's like, yeah, yeah. shut up, yeah, because you know he's like, right, don't even think about passing through to the higher realms we we power our engines from either. That's where things get really dangerous, even for me, and I'm so powerful. <laughs> and the guy's staring at him, and he's like, what, what, I am, yeah, uh, I, I I love this book. It's a it's a lot of fun. It's it's it is a lot of fun and it's narrative heavy. It's exposition heavy, but it's yeah. it's great. And, you know, they they ended issue one on on a cliffhanger and they ended issue two on a cliffhanger or yeah. maybe a big reveal is a better way to uh, characterize it. But yeah, I'm excited to read uh, issue three. Good. I'm glad um, you're digging it. I'm glad you're yeah. Digging it. Yeah. It's it's uh, it's a good read. Uh, enjoyed it very much. But you know what? I did enjoy reading very much this week. What's what's that, Andrew? Well, damage control number one. Mm. 
it oh, this was, book was uh, so bad. Yeah. I you know, the original series, Dwayne McDuffie back in nineteen eighty eight, eighty nine, it was the first four issue. I, I still have the issues in my long box. Um this is not good. Uh <laughs> <laughs> you know what it reminded me of, Andrew? What's that? Wayne? It reminded me of the old What the series and all of the like Marvel comedy books, if those weren't funny. Yeah, there's just they they try to be funny, you know. So there's two stories uh, in this book. There's one about about the intern, uh, you know, the bringing in and teaching a new uh, intern, uh, and then and he works and it's kind of his first day in the mailroom. Uh, and then there's the second worst story, at least in my opinion, uh, that that kind of features the, a very atypical art style, I would call it, I guess. Uh, and it's just about you know one of the intern's mother visiting for the day. And they're not they're just not funny. There's nothing yeah. funny about it. I mean, it reminded me of those in that here's you go around a corner and here's a Marvel character that's just in the damage control office. Here's She Hulk. She's just there. And you know, oh, you can't get there fast enough. Okay, Nightcrawler will zap you around to deliver your mail. Right. Yeah, and you know, the Quicksilver is gonna help you put together the document you shredded, because uh, he's so fast. Because it has to be done real quick. But there's just no there's no humor in it. There's, yeah, it was not, just like it was name dropping. Yeah. Yeah, that like there's no real jokes involved in it. It's just, you know, he kinda the new intern kinda starts to maybe destroy the, the, the world by not delivering a, a piece of mail, but then it's just I don't know. None of the humor landed for me. I, I not once did I smile or laugh or think, oh, that's clever. Uh, unlike the original series that I thought was super funny uh, and, and, and amusing. And, you know, they even bring back the comptroller, uh, Mr. Cleary, who was one of my favorite characters from the original series. And he's just instead of being the calm, cool, collected guy who, you know, was, you know, making sure Doom paid his bills. Uh, in this one, he goes nuts about yeah. his cake being melted, which is so out of character for him. They even reference him being having that job because he's calm, cool, and collected. And in this one, he just loses his he loses his shit over over uh, a melted ice cream cake. Yep. It's and it's the nuts. second story their attempt at humor was having the intern's mom uh, basically beat up Thanos with the reality gym. Yeah. Uh, it was and just, then hug him. It was just ridiculous. I. Yeah, I, there's nothing good here. I'm not picking up issue two, and and I don't. I, I I'm sad that <laughs> this is the uh, newest installment in, in what was a great franchise. And I killed the show. <laughs> I don't know that we agree with you, Andrew. I think everyone's quiet. <laughs> well, I think it's because we don't know how to transition to Canary number two. Well, yeah, I have how do a good. You go from the worst book of the week to the best book of the week. I don't even know what Canary is, guys. Well, that's because Andrew, you're not on Comicsology Unlimited, and you can't get some of that sweet, sweet included in the cost. <laughs> um, Scott Snyder, Best Jacket Press, I think is what it is. He's got like six original titles coming out. Um, I. I tell you what, I, I have not been real wild about the original content that Scott Snyder has generated for Comicsology Unlimited. Um, and you guys were talking about when I say you guys, uh, Wayne and Paul were talking this week about, oh, Canary Number Two is coming out. And I did not read Canary Number One, was not aware of Canary Number One, and so I read both of these books this week. You know, by Scott Snyder and uh, Dan Panosian. Yeah, Dan Panosian. Uh, and these these books are great. Yeah, I, mean, I picked up the first issue wanting a really strong Western story, mm-hmm. and I ended up getting Deadlands. 
Well, and it's, it seems very much in the vein of Lovecraft. Uh, I, it is what's, why did they dig so deep? You know, <laughs> I mean, I just, you know, if I, I, I love the, the mysteries underground, um, you know, terrible things are happening. The, yeah, uh, very I, much I just, a Western, but a horror Western. Yeah. And, you know, there is an element of, of, uh, of, uh, Oh, gosh. The the scientist that he's accompanying is a black man. And, you know, this is taking place in the 19th century. So, you know, you would expect for race to be front and center on this. And I like how it's not. Uh, It is referenced, but it's it's not we're not making the story about that. We're making the story about, you know, who who our hero is and what's going on the you know, under under the mine, you know. Why did they dig so deep? Um, I love the 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 subtext of horror here, but I also enjoyed that they didn't just it's not just a world in which, you know, we don't have the you know race politics. It's just it's not front and center. It's addressed. You know, you, you, you know, they're not trying to, to hide it away. I, I just like how he handled it. I thought it was very adept. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm. It's got a great feel. You know, Dan Panosian mm-hmm. has been around for a long time. I remember reading. You know, he he's done a lot of inking in his mm-hmm. career, but you know, he, he's also a great artist in his own right. I, mm-hmm. I remember you know, when I saw Dan Panosian, I'm like, damn, Dan Panosian. I remember him from X Factor back in the '90s. Yeah. Um, but you know, but he, he 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 he's got a great style that fits this book, and you know, I. I should have known because it's Scott Snyder, but I didn't read the description. So there were three books that came out last month. Um, I guess he's doing them in sets of three. Uh, so the ones came out that came out last month were um, Dudley Datsun and the Forever Machine, which I guess is an all-ages book, Canary, and Barnstormers, which is a World War I, um, like, fighter, um, you know, like a, uh, like women, um, barn, like, plane pilots or something like mm-hmm. that. I haven't actually read it yet. You can tell I haven't read it yet. That was, um, but I'm such, very interested that was in such a succinct description of that. I'll just... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, out of all of them, this was the one that sounded interesting because I was in a bit of a Western comic mood and it very much... So it's a Western, but it's a horror Western. Yeah, and, and you know, I when Wayne said it was good because I hadn't read it yet, I was like, okay, well, I'll start with that one. And it is it is really, really damn good. And I'm I'm glad... Um, that I picked it up and, and I mean it's free or I shouldn't say free it is included in the cost um, and Barnstorm is a high-flying adventure romance set just after the first world war this Bonnie and Clyde romp brings together Scott Steiner and breathtaking illustrations of Tula Latte her longest sequential work to date so even the main description isn't more descriptive than what I just gave you <laughs> I, I love the the villain in this book that you know we keep flashing back to the you know the the dramatic encounter between our hero and, and the villain. And, mm-hmm. you know, he, he's monstrous, right? But he's monstrous. He still looks human, but he's monstrous in tone. You know, sounds like a serial killer, that kind of thing. And he talks about how he's got uh, uh, all these like all these additional teeth and mouths. He's got all these teeth that run down his throat. Uh, and he's like, you hear them, William? The teeth in my throat chewing all on their own. I've evolved. You see, I'm something new. I have mouths growing all over my body right now. In my back, my stomach, a dozen mouths. I just love this. It is, <laughs> it is so creepy. 
Well, and it hits one of the stories I always like seeing. And that is the kind of the stories of that era, the dime novels and the, you know, those types of things. Having those actual people show up and who they are versus the fantastic stories being told around them. Right. My children will have even more mouths. They'll be made of mouths, a thousand teeth to eat the world. They're here in the water, William, growing strong. (laughs) It's so creepy. It is I love so that. creepy. Yeah, it's just so creepy. And you know, I it may, it's like, oh, I want to see a movie adaptation or a television adaptation of this. Well, and so it does. It, it's it, the momentum. It's got that Mark, I'm enjoying it. It's got the it's got that Mark Miller feel about it. Like it, this is written at you know, uh, Prime mm-hmm. Video. <laughs> you know, hey Prime yeah, Video, he, make this. He feels like a character that would show up as a bad guy in Ghost of Rainsboro. Absolutely. Absolutely. He does. Well, he did. He does feel a little bit like the pocket square every time he puts his mask on. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I really loved Canary. Thank you guys for uh, for mentioning it to me because, you know, I, I was not I'd gotten uh, was dissatisfied with the other Scott Snyder books that I'd seen on Comixology Unlimited. But this one was a winner. But hey, Paul. Yes, sir. It's coming out next week. Well, before I go into that, I will say, you know, on these Scott Snyder books, um, the only one that I finished of the first round, because there were clear with Francis Mignopol, We Kill Demons with Greg Capullo, which I don't I don't know that it ever actually finished. Um, and uh, the horror book that Wayne and I were reading that the name escapes me right now. But the one with Francesco Francavilla, uh, Night, Night of, the, of Ghoul. the Ghoul. I really liked Night of the Ghoul quite a bit. So, I mean, maybe this type of work is more suiting for, for Scott Snyder than, than a DC comics type thing. But anyway, next week, Aaron, since you, since you asked, you know, we just recently had amazing Spider-Man issue 900. So by that math, since it's only been a month, we should also have amazing fantasy issue 1000 using Marvel math. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So amazing fantasy issue 1000 is a, an $8 issue coming out next week but features creative uh, staff including neil gaiman michael cho jonathan hickman dan slott kurt busick um john ramita jr jim chung marco chiquetto terry dodson giuseppe Camuncoli, ryan stegman steve mcniven todd nauk and olivier copiel um so baller creative team but you know of course it's just one of those like anthology books um but that comes out for Marvel Comics next week. And it's a, it's a fifth week, so you'll see some more unusual stuff coming out next week. Also for Marvel Comics, you have the relaunch of Thunderbolts, issue one, um, which features um, Hawkeye as part of the Thunderbolts this go-around. Kind of, it says it's in the aftermath of Devil's Reign. So I see America Chavez, I see Hawkeye, a couple of other characters. Um, Jim Zub is the writer on that one. Uh, from idw aaron is star trek picard stargazer issue one a never before seen journey set between season two and three of the paramount hit series picard um, a tantalizing offer to return amongst the stars arises and john picard takes to the bridge of the uss stargazer so i guess this is kind of a transition between seasons yeah that which would suggest that seven of nine is the captain of the stargazer right possibly so i'm, I'm, I'm I mean, gonna that's, that's how shot. they that's how they ended it at the end of uh, season two. Spoilers. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Spoilers. And uh, the, the other big new release uh, coming out next week from DC Comics is Superman War World Apocalypse, concluding the the War World saga that Philip Kennedy Johnson has been doing for 
over a year now. Yeah, I think um, in the pages of Action Comics and, you know, building up even before then, uh, you know, Phil K. Johnson is the writer, um, Brandon Peterson, Will Conrad and and others on art. Action Comics this week was really good. I enjoyed it. it and I'm looking forward, I'm looking to, forward to, to talking about it. Same. I'm ready looking for forward to talking to you about it. Yeah. Yeah. All of the above. Yes. Well, hey, we want to know what you thought about this week's books. Give us a call, 972-763-5903. That number, once again, 972-763-5903. And if we use your voicemail on the show, you could win a coveted, valuable ideology of madness surprise. You can also hit us up on social media, IOMGeek on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. And hey, if you're not following uh, our IOM Geek feed on YouTube, Paul's got all kinds of great stuff out there, you know, stoking the fires for Halloween. Oh. Yeah, you know, thank you for reminding me. Yeah, so this week uh, I'm going to be out in Orlando at the launch of Halloween Horror Nights at Universal Orlando. So if you like the the scary stuff, make sure to go to youtube.com slash iomgeek and uh, subscribe now because this is this is our, our heavy season. Lots of videos coming. Very scary. Blah, uh, Very uh, scary. Uh, uh, blah, uh, uh, uh. All right, guys. Y'all have a good week. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast. Mm-hmm.